2: Hello and welcome to the World Soccer Talk podcast. My name is Christopher Harris. I'm joined by my co-host, Kartik Krishnayer. Kartik, we've got a lot to get to. Uh, it's uh, recording this uh, before the, the season begins in France, in England, as far as the Premier, Premier League. Uh, and those other European leagues that are fast approaching in terms of their kickoff times. There's been uh, so many preseason friendlies. There's been Leagues Cup, there's been Women's World Cup, there has been some major news on the TV streaming side of things, um, from both on the US soccer side and on uh, foreign leagues. So so the if you don't mind, Karthik, I, I want to start with a topic, and I'm probably going to throw you a curveball here, but I want to ask your opinions about Neymar, <laughs> because in the last 24 hours, um, the rumors have been heating up in terms of I mean, everyone from Fabrizio Romano reporting that uh, Neymar's I mean, definitely wants to leave uh, PSG and is wants to d- go to Barcelona but we all know there are financial issues uh, but is also looking at Saudi Arabia and Major League Soccer. First of all what do you think about Neymar and do you think that would be a good fit for Major League Soccer in the United States in terms of um growing the popularity of the sport in in this country
1: absolutely i i would be salivating over it personally i i i uh have read fabrizio's reporting i i subscribe to his i pay for his newsletter to and i get it every morning and it's it's gold uh this is a kind of a shameless plug for Fabrizio but he he does a better job than anyone covering these these topics of transfers and and finances also quite frankly so um, his contention, Fabrizio's contention is even – obviously, you mentioned Barcelona. There are also maybe potentially Premier League clubs. Chelsea, Boley has a has kind of this marketing view of things and, and, and resale value of view of things. The salary level is too high, really, for anyone outside of probably Saudi Arabia or MLS, which is something we talked about on a podcast, I think – now more than two months ago, Chris, right? We did a podcast about – and my, my premise was that it will be these two leagues that are in for um, the bigger talent uh, financially because of, of of that. Yeah, in terms of Neymar, absolutely. I, I, I would love to see him in MLS. I'd actually probably be more excited about him than I I, I am about Messi. That, that's my opinion. We all have personal preferences. I, I know you probably disagree. I think Neymar is younger – He's a creative player. He's a unique player in that he is um, unbelievable one-on-one. He's a guy that generally it takes two or three guys hacking at to get the ball off of him. So it's going to really test MLS defenses. Are they going to be cynical in fouling? Uh, him and then the other thing that makes me really excited about this, if it's L.A.F.C., I want to see Neymar as a focal point of a club. I, I feel like when he was at Barcelona, they had Messi and others tail end of uh, of of uh, uh, Xavi and Iniesta. They also had uh, Busquets, who was uh, at that time the best number six in the world. Uh, so he um, he's never had to carry a team. He goes to P.S.G. Cavani is the man. They clash, uh, but then by the time Neymar, uh, by the time Cavani's gone, Mbappe's there. And then Messi joins, so I really want to see Neymar as a focal point of a team. Uh, I know people will say he's been the focal point of Brazil. Uh, Chris, you know me; I, I the international men's game isn't my thing, so uh, I want to see him as a focal point of a club. I, I hope this happens. I, I'm I'm actually pretty pretty fired up about it.
2: I am too, but on the opposite side of the the spectrum here. I, I mean, I, honestly, I think that uh, a lot of people the way that they judge Neymar is I think they're judging him from about 10 years ago when he was, I mean, even still with Brazil, he's still performing at a high level, really carrying in that team through, through qualifications, etc. But as far as a club player, uh, yes, he's 31, but to me, he's, he's an old 31 lots of injuries, very injury prone. Uh, yes. He does ha- get hacked a lot. He's definitely you mean, the type of player that likes to dribble and show the skill. And other teams, opposing teams, will will try to cut that out. But overall, I think he's overrated, and and I stand by that too because I, I think he, uh, in his prime, was one of the best players in the world. He's no longer in his prime, and I, I mean, having watched him play with PSG, um, you know, what I mean, just a, it still has a lot of the same attributes, which I, I don't think would translate well to American audience, which is diving, which is kind of basically. Uh, fake injuries just to try to win, win, win a free kick or <clears throat> or to win a penalty and those are the types of attributes that I, I don't think uh, I, I hate personally and, and it's a player that is not as his prime um, he's not going to move the needle like Messi did um, Messi has done in terms of the number of subscriptions yes if you're Brazilian and you live in the United States or if you're a big PSG fan, which I don't think there's that many of them. But if you're a big Neymar fan, right? You're a Neymar fan, or you're a Brazil fan. You're gonna be, you I mean, really, really happy to see him in Major League Soccer. I just don't see him move the needle in the U.S. Now, uh, internationally, yes, I can see in terms of Neymar increasing subscriptions to MLS season pass in, in South America, in Asia, I, and I think that's that's the key. And and maybe, yes, salary wise, you mean. Neymar would be off the charts in terms of trying to afford him, but maybe again with the Messi deal, like we've seen with international signups, maybe it's an opportunity for Major League Soccer and Apple to do a deal with Neymar, um, and that may not be now. It might be ne- next next year or or on the winter for a deal to, I mean, carve out some of those international subscriptions and give him an opportunity to to make a ton of money that way. But yeah, I. I would not be excited. I, I know, so outside of Orlando, Kartik, and Orlando's got a massive Brazilian population. Outside of Orlando, where in the U.S. would a large Brazilian contingent be coming out in droves to see him play uh, and, and buy tickets?
1: Uh, the Boston area, uh, South Florida, obviously South Florida already has, um, uh, has Messi and, and Busquets and company on their MLS team. But this isn't about nationality. I mean, I think it's about... Uh, uh, a superstar that's also kind of a pop celebrity that transcends so much of of football there are mainstream sports fans that love Neymar uh, and don't follow it as closely as you do Chris so they don't have all these crit- critiques about diving and uh, maybe him being overrated which is something I disagree with I don't think he's overrated uh, and, and I would also point out I think that this is another piece of credibility for MLS we can't uh, compare everyone to Messi I mean I've got gotten through f- four days of uh, post which are still ongoing about the U.S. women's national team where people are saying oh this player wasn't like Abby Wambach that That. That player wasn't like uh was it what wasn't like Mia Ham. Of course not. Okay? I mean, there are only one or one or two of those players in the world at a given time, and it's the same thing with Messi. Not everybody is Messi or Ronaldo. Uh Neymar, maybe by no fault of his own, maybe it was his fault, uh, but he was elevated to being that third that third global superstar player, I guess along with Ronaldo and, and Messi. He was never quite at the level of those two, okay? I concede that. But no one else is. There's no one else you can sign and, and say, oh, well, this person isn't going to have the same effect as Messi. Of course they won't. I mean, for me, I, I, I'm more excited potentially about Neymar, but that's a personal preference. I, I, like, I, I want to see him in this circumstance, and I think he's younger. I think he can uh, add more uh, maybe over a longer period of time to the league. But um, I, I wouldn't compare the guy to Messi. I mean, I don't think that's fair.
2: Yeah, and it's not me comparing him to Messi. It's actually a lot of people out there that are putting him on the same level as as Messi, saying that he's just as good or one of the best players in the world or in in the top three with Ronaldo. Uh, I don't think he's in the top three. I mean, me personally, I would love to see Major League Soccer. Uh, It's not going to happen anytime soon, but Major League Soccer going for uh, Vinicius Junior, someone who's younger who's faster, um, who, I mean, to me at this point in time, is more talented than Neymar, a, a different position, a different type of player, but that's the type of player that Major League Soccer, if they are going to go for a Brazilian, go for somebody that's younger rather than, again, he's 31 Neymar, but to me, he, he seems, if <laughs> watching him play, he looks a lot, a lot more, I mean, older than, than 31. I think overall, though, Kartik, um just having the conversation about Neymar possibly coming to Major League Soccer just goes to show how big of a deal this Apple deal is, and uh, how it is, I think, opening at the eyes of other players. I, I just would like to see them bring, trying to bring in more younger stars, uh, which they are from South America uh, and Central America, and, and even but younger stars that are, are proven younger stars that are going to have a long uh, roadmap uh, playing in, in this league. On a different topic, kartik uh, coming up this weekend, uh, of course, we've got the Premier League and, and the French League, et cetera. Um, but one of the big topics coming up, out uh, that we'll all be witnessing, I'm sure in different ways, uh, whether watching the games live or, or on replay or, or just reading about it, is the, the Premier, Premier League and the PGMOL <laughs> coming up with this, this, the new standards in terms of trying to um, add time on. Just as we've seen during the World Cup, and basically, rather than games ending usually about five minutes, five minutes injury time, some of these games are going to have as much as ten minutes or more of injury time. They're going to be adding up every little little thing. Uh, and I saw from last weekend watching a lot of the uh, opening weekend of the uh, English Football League, the Championship uh, games. Uh, on average, every single game in the first half had five minutes of, of added time at, uh, in the first half. The second half, a lot of the games had like eight minutes, 10 minutes added on. So, I mean, they're they're talking about 100-minute games this weekend uh, in the Premier League. I think it's actually going to be more. I think it's going to be more like 105 minutes uh, in total. And at at the same time that there's all of the discussion about players playing too many games, playing too many competitions, FIFA expanding the Club World Cup, uh, UEFA kind of fighting with them. To me, it's ridiculous that now they're going to be adding on more and more minutes. Uh, I, I just think it's completely ridiculous. Uh, I, I prefer it to the way it was before. Uh, Kartik, what's your opinion?
1: Yeah, uh, the first week of the Women's World Cup, those of you who follow me on Twitter probably saw me tweeting that this is ridiculous because I think this is a standard, you're right. It was first implemented in the men's World Cup by FIFA, now implemented in the Women's World Cup, uh, apparently in the Club World Cup too, which I hadn't uh, um which I didn't pay much attention to, but now in the Women's World Cup and now the PGMOL in in Britain in England has uh has taken the same standard. So, if you people those of you who follow me on Twitter saw uh me just angry saying this is ridiculous. Why are we having five or six minutes of stoppage time at the end of e- each first half? Uh many of the Women's World Cup games have been 11, 12, 13 minutes of stoppage time uh after uh in the second half, meaning about 20 minutes of stoppage time of the game. 110 minute match. And I was venting about it. I know it's been very difficult for Fox and Telemundo for their programming windows. But guess what? We're now three weeks into that tournament and Chris I got used to it. I'm just now It's now second nature to me. Okay, we're at the end of the first half between England and Colombia the other day. I know there's going to be a lot of stoppage time. I've kind of psychologically built it into my mind. Same thing at the end of that game. Obviously, that game went to penalty, so that may be a bad example. But in in all of these matches uh, in the Women's World Cup, it's happened. It's now the standard in England. Um, So I think I'm used to it because of the Women's World Cup. I think That doesn't mean I'm happy about it, and I think for... Uh, What we cover, media, uh, television, and streaming, it's particularly problematic for linear television and fitting these matches inside a window. And as I said, Fox and Telemundo have had to juggle stuff during uh, the Women's World Cup. And in fact, um, beginning of the tournament, I was just taping the matches. Then uh, I I began to have to build in, even before the group stage ended, okay, let me uh, me tape the next program also, because this thing is going to go over two hours over the window. I think that's just something linear television is going to have to deal with. Now, this is another case for streaming, right? Because streaming doesn't have those windows. Streaming, it can be two hours and five minutes, two hours and ten minutes on Peacock or on uh, Paramount Plus or whatever. Uh, I guess we're talking about England, so we're talking about Peacock specifically and ESPN Plus for the championship. Uh, It's another uh, advantage for streaming over linear. Uh, From our perspective, I think that's the important takeaway.
2: Absolutely. I think from the first weekend of the Premier League uh, for the 2023-24 season this weekend – it's not going to be as much of an issue in terms of uh, games bumping up against each other because, precisely because of what, of what you said with uh, with Peacock. Most of the games this weekend are on Peacock. But on other weekends, it's going to be an issue because if you have a 7.30 a.m. Eastern game starting on a Saturday morning and it's between whatever teams, and that game traditionally en- usually ends with injury time about 9.50 uh, a.m. and then there's a, a 10 a.m. kickoff uh, maybe on that same channel, on, on USA Network. Well, now with the new rules, and, and Howard Webb says he's not changing it. it. It's here to stay. This this is happening. I mean, nothing's going to change. So with those games, if they do have an extra 10 to 15 minutes of uh, added time added on for everything from injuries to time-wasting, mostly time-wasting, then there's going to be an issue because those games, that 7.30 a.m. kickoff, May not be finished by 10 a.m. Eastern or might just finish right before it. Meanwhile, NBC Sports has to figure out, okay, we haven't gone to commercials yet. Uh, And then the kickoff is at 10 a.m. Now, the 10 10 a.m. kickoff, what they could do is delay it slightly, right? Delay it, maybe showing it a few couple of minutes later uh, to try to fit those commercials in. And then for all of us who might be listening to the game on radio or on on watching it on social media in terms of updates are going to find out what happens before we actually see it on television so there's a lot of different issues uh, two more things about this kartik is one I can see teams and manager managers specifically changing the way that they kind of manage the game so for example usually second half substitutions usually most managers are thinking about okay about the six, 60th minute mark I'll bring on you know the star striker to come on and add some, uh, add some goals. I could see them kind of waiting until the 70th minute, um, to actually bring that person on at that time, because there's going to be so much added time, injury time added on.
1: And yeah. I think- Actually, sorry to cut you off, but to that point specifically, uh, there's been a lot of cr- criticism in the Women's World Cup of Lako Andonovsky and Serena Wegman, the U.S. coach, the U.S. coach who's probably done now, and the England coach, uh, in waiting for substitutions. I actually have pushed back, saying, even though I, I have my own questions about their substitutions and when they were made— uh, I think they were made as late as they were and and I think probably they're having this debate in other countries too that are in the women's world cup because of that specific Uh, thing you're saying because Mm -hmm. after the first match of the tournament we realized okay there's going to be an additional 10 minutes or 15 minutes of stoppage time all told why make a substitution in the 60th minute uh when now you you're going to need that person to have uh, fresher legs longer let's make it in the 75th minute instead it has definitely affected the women's world cup it will affect the premier league i have no no doubt about that chris i think you're making a great point because we've already seen it in practice at the world cup
2: yeah, and I think the last thing on that one is that uh, I think it's going to actually help the teams that are fitter. So if if it's a team that's, you mean, you know, you the the entire squad is a lot fitter, they can run, uh, I mean, uh, longer uh, for for longer periods of time, and uh, rather than getting getting get tied by about the ninetieth minute, those teams that can go the hundred hundred and ten minutes uh, are going to be. You mean or oh, hundreds of five minutes basically uh, are gonna be have an opportunity to score a lot of late goals um so it is going to be very very different and I can I can guarantee you there's gonna be a whole bunch of people complaining this weekend because I mean from from me watching uh, the the actual championship last weekend you watching the women's World Cup you kind of see the differences it has on the game it is a big change and there's gonna be a lot of upset people out there but but to me I think it's just absolutely ridiculous. Now, Kartik, uh, let's see what else we can talk about. Well, the other big news we've we talked about Messi, we talked about Neymar. Uh, big news for the U.S. Open Cup, and the U.S. Open Cup, uh, we had talked about. I think a few weeks ago that uh, TYC Sports was uh, pick, picked up the rights to the U.S. Open Cup uh, semifinal uh, for Miami against FC Cincinnati. Well, now the news is that uh, TeleMundo uh, Deportes. Uh, and Peacock have picked up the Spanish language rights to the U.S. Open Cup semifinals and the final, and I think it, ov- obviously on this one too, it, they're hoping that uh, Inter Miami will beat FCC, uh, FCC in- uh, Cincinnati, FC Cincinnati, and go to the final and you know, go for the, the U.S. Open Cup. But outside of that, Kartik, um, what's your take on the news and any interesting observations in terms of this announcement?
1: Yeah, it's great news for the Open Cup, which is uh, something we're big proponents of, Chris. And and honestly, this is such a missed opportunity for Turner Sports. They had the rights uh, on the English language side. CBS, uh, CBS, some CBS local affiliates have relationships with local USL clubs. And so CBS, after launching the Golazo Network, decided, you know what, maybe... Uh, Let's talk to U.S. Soccer and Turner about uh, broadcasting a couple games on the Golasso Network where we already have kind of crews in place because we have relationships with those USL clubs. Like, for example, here in South Florida, uh, the uh, USL team, Miami FC, is on – their games are broadcast by the local CBS affiliate – so that that was that was one of the games or a couple others too and then that opened the door cbs said oh this got well received so let's air more games and they've continued to air games throughout the tournament and now they've got Messi and uh turner they're not in the game at all (laughs) at all right right, at all (laughs) right and telemundo and nbc now have this interest global rights deal as you mentioned for the open cup and um this is fantastic also because u.s soccer took the rights back from some and mls and now they are able to monetize their own property which was something they couldn't do for years i love the irony of mls getting messy but u.s soccer who in my opinion have been screwed for years by mls through through their media rights deals now finally being empowered and and being able to monetize this and i've heard that's happened on the sponsorship side too by the way that's probably a conversation for another day but uh this is fantastic news i'm, I'm thrilled about it
2: and the, the other thing to uh to add to this too for uh for viewers is that i'm, I'm sure this is going to happen but andres cantor would be the commentator for those inter miami games so andres uh being argentinian american also but commentating uh lionel messi I mean, somebody who's even near and dear to his heart and, and hearing that passion and excitement. To me, I, I'm more excited about watching those games on probably Peacock, actually, for me, on Peacock than I am excited about watching it on CBS Sports' uh, Glass Network um, just because it's Andres Cantor. I, and even if I don't understand the rest of what he says, just the goal calls them, uh, themselves will be worth, uh, worth uh, watching and listening uh, to. And then Kartik, um, let's see what else we got going on for this week. Well, let's let's head on over to um, the listener mailbag because there's a lot of topics that have been brought up, and uh, that way we can have, we can talk through some of these uh, these things that uh, listeners want to talk about because they are topics that we want to talk about too. So let's jump right in. And Mercator has the first comment. Uh, Mercator says, "U.S. women are out of the World Cup, and I'm honestly not that upset." They didn't play well for uh, from the two games I saw, and I find this team to be very unlikable and will be glad when some of the older ones retire. Ripino has been a disaster for US women's soccer, in my view. The sooner she is out of the picture, the better. Uh, the US women's national team will be, uh, uh <laughs> sorry. the sooner she's out of the picture, the, the better the US women's national team will be on and off the field. And I can't take, before I read the second part of his comments,
1: uh, what's your react- reaction to that yeah i um i think that Andonovsky was the manager because he had a a good relationship with megan rapino becky salbrun and some of the other senior players and you could make the argument i don't want to get into the politics of this at all that there's been too much of that the last uh 96 hours uh but in, in terms of rapino specifically and and becky for that matter uh but becky's injury i think really hurt the us and i do think Andinovsky, even though I, my, my sense is he did want to build the squad around uh, Macario, who's a young player uh, who, who obviously plays in France and is now injured. Uh, she plays abroad. Uh, be, those injuries opened the door for him to kind of just hang on to the old generation, maybe too long. Uh, they had won two World Cups, but um, that, I think, might be the issue. You're going to bring in another manager, and they're going to turn the page completely. We're going to go completely youth. Uh, the point about them being unlikable—I've heard that from a lot of people. Quite frankly, they weren't very likable in 2019. If you don't, if, if you don't, if you're saying they're too brash, they were too arrogant, they were too in your face, they were celebrating goals and acting uh, like, uh, uh, like like being very pompous and arrogant. I think they did that in 2019, and they won every match and they won the World Cup. So you know, you, it's easy to say that stuff when a team loses, uh, but when they win, it's like they're the best. They tell you the best they're in your face and we love that so i think it's it's the results matter when we're making that assessment
2: yeah my my take on this is that um i watched the uh u.s sweden game and and honestly karthik you might disagree with me completely but honestly i think the u.s team just was not good enough and it wasn't the coaching it wasn't it was just the players on the pitch i was just watching the game and actually i muted the commentary because i thought okay let me just analyze the game just from watching the, the, the teams playing and, and what I see with my eyes, uh, rather than sometimes, you, you mean for me personally. Sometimes I might be uh, swayed by what, what the commentators are saying, but watching them play, they couldn't cross the ball. The chances that they had in front of goal to shoot were just weak, really weak attempts. Um, they didn't look that fit. They were, they ran out of gas, which might be partly because of the uh, lack of substitutions. But overall, I just thought that they, they were really really poor. Uh, At the same time, I thought Sweden was was pretty poor too. Sweden was more of a, I mean, definitely a defensive shield trying to limit uh, US from playing. But overall, just having watched the US women's national team play in this competition, to me, the big story is they just simply weren't good enough.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the injuries, I, I every time I've been on a show or written an article, I've had to list the seven key injuries. But without those injuries, they didn't have the depth, which also goes to the lack of substitutions. A lot of criticism of Blotko, I think, justified in many cases. But in terms of substitutions, I think Andonovsky looked down his bench, 75th minute, 80th minute of these games, where their fitness is becoming an issue. Again, a lot of their players are older players that maybe have hung on for too long. And he's looking at his bench, and he doesn't see a solution. So he just lets it go. You have to consider that when uh, this this criticism, oh, why, uh, why, why does he think that uh, in the five-sub era you only have to make one or two subs? There's a lot of criticism of this. But managers can't just make substitutions for substitution's sake. If your team's not good enough or deep enough, uh, you're better off uh, and you're in a stalemate game, which the U.S., this entire tournament was a stalemate, right? Every match they were in other than the Vietnam game. You might as well just kind of roll the dice on the players you have out there. So, yeah, I, I kind of do agree with your analysis, Chris. I think, um, in terms of uh, quality, I think it was more an issue of quality depth. And honestly, there are much deeper teams in this tournament, and those teams are still alive, and the U.S. isn't.
2: And then Mercator's uh, second half of his uh, comments uh, in the listener mailbag: I think you guys are stuck in your old ways, and there's uh, and and that's reflected by the assumption people are speaking about TV numbers and not overall impressions tv numbers don't matter that much anymore who cares how many tv viewers watch messi play in the us the point is global impressions and, and eyeballs apple is selling a global streaming subscription to mls why on earth uh, would they would they go about and, and share uh, what their tv numbers are in the us it's not 1980 having a billion impressions on tiktok is more valuable then another 100,000 people tuning in on TV and the subscription numbers are 100% ir- irrelevant to Apple's overall business. So I've got some <laughs> comments on this one. So, so to me, to me, I mean, and this goes back goes back to the Neymar discussion a little bit, too, because there's a lot of people that have opinions about players. Uh, on Twitter, the reaction I got from Twitter, the feeling I got was that most of the people that are watching Neymar watching him when he plays for Brazil and when he plays in the Champions League and not watching him when he plays week in, week out for PSG when he's not injured but this goes back to the Apple deal and, and what Mercator raises also Rexham too, right? We talked about Wrexham last last, uh, last week about, um, same thing with Messi too, having millions of impressions of people seeing the clips on social media and you brought up the good point Kartik about that too, that's why even bother subscribing to mls season pass if you can just watch the highlights on on twitter i mean within seconds of a goal going in and see the reaction you can you can live vicariously through that without having seen the game and at the at the end of this the bottom line to me is it's sad that people are not watching games and and you I mean to me I, I mean i would like to people to watch the entire games and and learn more and, and see all the different things You've talked endlessly, Kartik, about USMNT fans uh, being so hyper-focused on, on on Twitter about just seeing highlights so, uh, on Twitter. Like you mean, I don't know, uh, just just Sargent scores a goal for Norwich, and they go crazy. Meanwhile, maybe the, the rest of the 89 minutes he was woeful and didn't do anything or make bad passes, right, right, whatever right, right. it is. But they yeah. just latch onto that that you mean 30 second clip. The one more thing I would say about say about this too is that. Um, Mercator says it doesn't really matter about uh, number of subscriptions, et cetera. It's all about impressions. Well, it does matter because Apple and Major League Soccer have gone to the global deal where it's based on the number of subscriptions. So MLS is incentivized to increase the number of subscriptions. They have a base price. They're getting $250 million a year from Apple for a global deal, which globally, that's not much. Globally, that, that's, if, if that was just the US, fantastic. But this is a global deal. And MLS will get more money based on the number of subscriptions uh, they get. And if people are watching it on social media and the impressions are through the millions, but if people are not signing up to actually watch MLS season pass, then there's a big problem. Okay, Kartik. next up is Raquel. Raquel says, I have to say, despite the U.S. women's national team exit, this has been a spectacular Women's World Cup, one of the most competitive I've seen what I find interesting is how the reactions to the USM, USWNT being eliminated, eliminated have mixed undertones. A lot of it is toxic, I should say, most of them having nothing to do with soccer and everything to do with political identity or cultural differences. This is not new. This is not 2019 and the vibes in 2023 are so different. It's become more magnified and frenzied. It's super eye-opening and bleak. All power to the ladies because the culture may uh, make it rough uh, for them these coming months. And, Kartik, I think, in a way, too, this actually goes back into the social media point of view, right? Is people are living their lives on social media, probably not watching the games, seeing, you I know, mean, whether it's uh, memes or all sorts of different things, and just going off and not actually watching the games and giving their own opinions uh, based on, on what they've seen, that they're just going off. What other people say, you know, what what their personal beliefs are, which can be very toxic. Um I think you you've kind of encountered this too, Kartik, on social media in terms of just the the toxic, toxicity toxicity uh, aimed at you for having an opinion that is uh, is different than others. What's your yeah. take?
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree. And that's uh, social media, just like those little highlight clips. Sometimes my opinion about this sport are different than others because I'm actually watching games and not just basing it on, on, on uh, isolated highlight clips, which make, by the way, are, are designed to make every player look good. that That's being highlighted. Um, and so
0: say hello to a new era of mental health care. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: So I I think the toxicity has has, uh, spread over. I I do want to say to Raquel's first point, this has been my favorite tournament of my life. Uh, men's or women's to this point. I think it's been the most competitive, unpredictable tournament uh, that I've experienced, including... some Euro tournaments on the men's side that I had had actually placed above men's World Cups and above women's World Cups. Because in the past, women's World Cups were the most predictable tournaments of all. You knew the US, Germany, uh, maybe one of France or Japan, they would be factors. And Sweden would always be pretty good, but never win it, right? There were always these kind of uh, predictable uh, uh, narratives. They go to 32 teams this time. And I think it also is a reflection of the women's game becoming stronger globally. And it's more competitive than any men's tournament I can remember. So I've loved it tournament but in terms of the social media toxicity absolutely and this is also what happens when um politics gets involved and you have a situation where the political and cultural side of the united states is polarized beyond recognition right it wasn't like this 10 years ago and you have a situation where this women's national team has been so successful and so As maybe we talked about in response to Mercator's comment, in your face in the past, 2019, they were in your face. Uh, They were arrogant and they backed up that arrogance that it became very easy for the other side to poke holes in them. This all having been said, Chris, earlier in the tournament, I was concerned. My God, the country is divided. We're polarized. There are people in the media who are... really kind of uh, uh, urinating all over the U.S. women's national team, for lack of a better term. But then, if you consider how many people were watching on Fox and, and Telemundo throughout the tournament, given the start times of the games, it didn't really impact viewership or fandom. I mean, the impact is now that they're out. But I think... A lot of that stuff on social media was just noise. It was social media. It was uh, the most polarizing figures in our society who have an outsized voice on social media amplifying their voice, but they weren't going to watch the games anyway, and they had no influence to stop people who do watch the games and do like soccer and do like the U.S. women from watching these games. This kind of goes back to the point also about impressions, though, Chris. This is why I don't think I mean, maybe, again, Mercator might be right. We're old-fashioned. We're, we're thinking uh, in an in a old-fashioned way. But uh, I do think television ratings and numbers watching matches still matter. And maybe the tweets of, uh, of conservative shock jocks attacking Megan Rapino and attacking uh, um, U.S. players for various things uh, got hundreds of thousands of impressions. Maybe it got millions of impressions. But it didn't affect the television viewership for this tournament, at least for the U.S. games didn't affect interest among actual soccer fans, so uh, I think that that, that's something we have to consider, and that tells us that kind of the the model of of watching television ratings and who's watching on linear, who's watching on streaming is still um, kind of a contemporary thing that's important.
2: Yeah, at the end of the day, I think there's always that base, that base of uh, soccer fans who will support the U.S. Women's National Team, and, and it's a massive base, right? It's, you I mean, we've seen that from the numbers. Um, even the, I think the lowest amount of people watching um, U.S. games this uh, this uh, Women's World Cup thus far for an individual U.S. Women's game has been like what about two point five million, but there's been two point five and, and and much much higher, less than ten million, but but in terms of the viewership there.
1: But um, And those games, the uh, $2.5 game, that was a 3 a.m. Eastern time kickoff. Let's not forget.
2: Right, in the middle of the night, exactly. I, I think, I mean, to me, personally, this is the last Women's World Cup under the Fox deal. Um, the 2022 Men's World Cup was the last deal for, for Fox also. So the, the, the next World Cup uh, bidding will start soon. Hopefully, there'll be bidding. But I, I would almost like, I mean, to me... I think this women's world cup would be so much different if we had a really quality broadcaster uh that would address some of these issues would have serious conversations would dive into these things and something that would be worth watching rather than talking heads spouting out basically nonsense for the most part uh talking about players emotions and even and, and, and things rather than focusing on I mean, stats and metrics, things that you can actually measure. They're talking about kind of the, the feelings part of it. I, I just think that uh, it'd be so good to just cleanse this whole thing and for the next right cycle for the women's and, and uh, the men's World Cups is to have different broadcasters that are going to actually treat this tournament much better than than what Fox Sports has done. All right, let's move on to uh, NPOB1, and this is in regards to kind of the powerhouse powerhouse discussion in major league soccer and into miami being a powerhouse now powerhouse team is good news you mentioned Neymar possibly coming to lafc that would be a powerhouse too um so npob one says remember when atlanta united was a super club if there was a higher salary cap and owners broke away from some you instantly will i i guess I'm sorry, if you, if there was a higher salary cap and owners broke away from, yes, um, you instantly will have super teams. NISA working with USL would be great. Leagues need to align to hold back MLS influence. Imagine a Wrexham local uh, club story in the US. Chris says, uh, even though this is not soccer related, I wanted to let you know um, that a few weeks ago the CW acquired the rights to air NASCAR Xfinity series races beginning in 2025 in a deal that sees every race on over-the-air television. This is in addition to existing rights they have with uh, Live Golf and ACC Football and Basketball. With this in mind, my question to you is, do you see that CW going after the rights to Serie A, which is going into the final season with CBS under the current deal, as a way of getting a lead-in program for their other sports, especially ACC football. I think it's too niche. I mean, I think Serie is yeah, too niche. Yeah. Um,
1: and, a, and, a right, and the right fee was too expensive last time, I think. I mean, CVS really, uh, uh, I, I, I guess the football term, <laughs> at least in terms of transfers, I'm thinking transfers because of the time of year we're at, would be tapping up uh, the market. I, I think they overpaid for Serie A, quite frankly.
2: Yeah, and and that makes me think of actually one news item I forgot to mention at the beginning of the the, uh, podcast is that uh, we broke the news this week that Saudi Arabia, uh, the Saudi Arabia Pro League, uh, the rights have been acquired by Fox Sports, so both on the English side and on the Spanish side with Fox Deporters. So that deal starts this weekend. Um, The CW I could have seen as possibly having a conversation about that, saying, hey, we can bring these games over the air. We've got a streaming app. We can actually broadcast uh, maybe the games featuring Ronaldo. I'm sure there would have been question marks whether or not the uh, it's just another app again for for soccer fans to be concerned with. But I could have seen that as a possibility. But I think Serie a definitely is uh, is too niche. Um, yeah, and, I,
1: and let me just point out, because I know we'll get criticism, Chris. I, I actually think Serie A was the best league in Europe last year. I'm saying, and Chris, I think, is saying also it's too niche for the television audience in the United States. It's not a niche league. It's, in my right. opinion, I, I I think maybe the Premier League uh, or, or La Liga will overtake it again this season. But last season, I think it was the best league in the world. But... It, that's, that doesn't translate to TV numbers in the U.S. You, that just has to be accepted. They're not. Serie a is pretty bad at business, quite frankly, and bad at marketing itself.
2: Yeah. And the Saudi Arabian League, too, I, I think actually twice on this podcast uh, in the last few months, uh, we projected that Fox Sports would be the most likely uh, put a company to acquire those rights, um, partly because of lack of ethics and mor- uh, morals. Uh, but also that you mean they definitely got in bed with Qatar for the World Cup, and I could see them easily getting into bed with Saudi Arabia with some sponsorship deals, etc. And this is the this is their lead into that. So, um, so that 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 came true. Robert says I do not follow Liga MX, uh, so um, for me it's surprising the gap between the top teams that I know and most of the league MLS hammers some of the teams and got beaten by the top clubs. And this is an article too, Robert, that we had uh, at worldsoccertalk.com this week, talking about Leagues Cup and, and uh, how it's been going so far with tendencies uh, lower than most of the um, the summer European to- uh, friendly tournaments. Uh, I'm sure ticket revenue was way high uh, based on um, increased t- ticket prices. But um, one of the questions was about the, the League of Next teams. And one of the analysts, who uh, Walter Franco, who, who uh, uh, we included his quotes in the article, he was saying that, that uh, basically kind of the middle pack of uh, Liga Max to the bottom are definitely weaker than, than most major league soccer teams. But it's those top tier teams that are definitely uh, above a lot of the MLS teams. So t- teams such as Club America, Chivas, Tigres, uh, Monterrey. Now with this league's cup, uh, actually, most of those teams have been knocked out. I think Monterey and Queretaro uh, are the only teams available uh, in the tournament from Leagues Cup that are still Liga MX teams. Uh, and Club America got knocked out on penalty kicks. I think uh, I think Tigres got knocked out on penalty kicks too, but uh, to Monterey. So Mont- Monterey and Queretaro are the two big ones. So we'll see how far they get uh, in this competition. That's in the quarterfinal stages. Dave says, thanks for the content, always enjoyable. Uh, a few reactions. Hopefully, people just misspoke or were misquoted in your example claims about Leaks Cup viewership. If they believe what they said, it's an indictment of their uh, numeracy and logical abilities. I am convinced there is, uh, I am not convinced there's much loss of World Cup viewership due to Leaks Cup. World Cup and Leaks Cup both need casual fans to generate high numbers. USWNt playing while most uh, people are awake uh, drew strong viewership, but non-US national teams playing while most people were asleep was never likely to catch on with casual fans in the US. The World Cup has been of excellent calibre so far, but you raise a fair point that not too many people in the US will have noticed. One of the oldest conferences in college sports may be falling apart due to the inability to secure a trad- traditional media rights deal. The Pac-12 is rumored to only have a streaming-heavy offer from Apple. That looks to have been vetoed, with several schools instead seeking new homes. Conference realignment is a soap opera, so it may all change uh, since, by the time you read this, something to keep an eye on. And Karthik, I mean, I don't know much about college sports. You do, but what is it what does it say that uh, a lot of these um, college Uh, Teams are reluctant or hesitant to do a deal with Apple for for streaming rights to broadcast their games.
1: Yeah, I've uh, been trying to wrap my head around this for several days, and I think I had had sent you a message a few days ago uh, about it that uh, it it kind of demonstrates to me the difference between traditional American sports fans and soccer fans. We're very streaming savvy, Um, but uh, there was just this kind of freak out among the fan bases the alumni basis right the people who give money to these universities and to these sports programs at universities right it's not the um, the they the The racket of kind of alumni donations fueling college sports is something that's uh, um, you know it's it's kind of the dirty side of college sports. Like we have all these dirt, these dirty topics we talk about in in world football, and uh, the alumni freak out about oh my goodness uh, 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 UW, which University of Washington, Seattle, Oregon, uh, whose biggest benefactor is Phil Knight. I think everybody knows who he is. Even in our sport, everyone knows who he is from Nike. Uh, the the freak out about them potentially being on Apple triggered this this exodus and Colorado University of Colorado uh, uh, led it by just merely returning to the conference that they had been in previously a a conference I can consider an inferior conference to the one that they moved to the Pac-12 because the Pac-12 was talking about doing a deal with Apple and well the big 12 is on uh, Fox or ESPN or whoever they're on so that's that that's safer right that's safer for our alumni that's safer for our schools I think when you're dealing with alumni at these major universities, these huge uh, uh, academic and sports institutions, that's what they are now, right, Chris? You are dealing with older, less tech-savvy people, Uh, maybe actually the people uh, Mercator is referring to in in, um, the comment uh, they sent us, that basically – people who are not with the times in terms of the direction things are going so there, yeah absolutely with the Pac 12 there was a freak out among alumni bases people i talked to on the west coast oh my goodness we're going to have to get apple tv plus to watch uh to watch oregon football or watch washington basketball uh, or colorado basketball uh we let's let, let's let's get out of this um and then so what what ends up i think happening is that these teams these schools have now gone to conferences where they will be in in such large conferences and there's only so much linear television time let's face it i mean, like there's not 10 new networks uh, popping up to accompany these teams that are these schools that are moving from conference to conference that they will inevitably have matches uh aired on streaming so uh Washington football, you're, 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 uh, you you dodged a bullet, you think, with Apple. Guess what? Now that you're in the Big Ten, you will have games streamed on Peacock. I guarantee it. You will have games streamed on Peacock, and there will be Washington fans and alumni complaining, oh, do I have to pay whatever the subscription cost is for Peacock? We don't want to do this. So uh, I, um, And I'm not I'm not here trying to defend Apple. We've, we, we've spent so much time on this podcast talking about the Apple MLS deals, the pros and the cons. But the attitude toward Apple and the idea of doing a deal with Apple among a lot of people on the West Coast uh, really kind of turned me off and and shocked me and and kind of reassured me as a soccer person, Chris, that we are – more tech-savvy, we're more with the times, and we're kind of more progressive, not politically, but progressive in the terms of uh, of being uh, uh, open-minded about these things than traditional American sports fans and traditional American business people who are the ones who who incubate these schools with tons of money and tons of uh, uh, millions and millions of in dollars in, in donations.
2: We as soccer fans are ready for the future. I mean, the future is streaming as in Comcast is losing like what – 10% of its uh, subscriber base for, for cable uh, every, every year. I mean, it's I mean the number of people s- subscribing to cord-cutting services is increasing and, and will continue to do so. And pretty soon, within the next couple of years, I mean, when people say, hey, uh, is that game on TV? It won't mean cable or satellite. It'll be like, okay, is it on TV? I mean, what, what streaming service do you have to watch it on your physical television set? And we've been down this road so many times in terms of being, we as soccer fans, being really streaming savvy. So we've gone everything from ITVN uh, back in, like, what, 2010? Or actually before that, 2007, maybe? So ITVN, Satanta Eye. Satanta uh, Fo- I was
1: the one I was thinking of, yeah.
2: Yeah, FoxSoccer.tv, FoxSoccer.com, uh, Fox Soccer Match Pass. Uh, you mean... ESPN Plus and then Fubo and there were some services I used to watch
1: F- French Liga games on I, in two thousand seven two thousand eight. I'm trying to remember what that was. Uh, yeah,
2: we've we've Flow Sports. I mean, we, we've yeah. been down. I mean, Bleacher Report Live. I mean, a lot of these uh, streaming <laughs> services are no longer in business. But in the last, uh, say, the last ten or fifteen years, we've probably been through about twenty different streaming services where we had to rely on, I you mean, know, really rely on to be able to watch the game. And, and now, yes, it's a lot easier to just watch ESPN Plus or, or Peacock. So so we're in a good place in terms of soccer fans in the US. And uh, we can probably show a lot of these college football fans uh, how to actually watch a game. With Peacock, I think it, it might be one of those things, though, too, Kartik, where if you're a Comcast Xfinity customer and you have the X1 box, I think on on there, it's just, it's just a, a button for Peacock. You click on that, and up it comes. So you don't have to go, go through the hoops and hurdles of you know Chromecast or casting it from your your laptop or phone to a big t v set or download it in the app and going through all the steps to, to actually get it set up and those things but um but yeah no it's it's interesting to see what t- happens there with apple uh and how the rest of the you mean know, sports universe in the u s is resisting that um and with major league soccer i mean it was i mean you could, <laughs> the choice this season for mls fans was basically either you're in or you're out if you're out and not going to be su- subscribing to apple tv or um, mls season pass then basically you're, you're going to miss about 90 80 of the games and you'll catch a few on tv maybe one a week and that's it it's a massive change Andy's uh, up next. Andy says, "This past June, I started listening to the World Soccer Talk podcast, and I love your insight regarding soccer media in the U.S. I haven't yet listened to all your all of your Apple TV episodes, and I am curious to know if you've discussed the scenario of MLS fans who, as a result of Major League Soccer on Apple TV Plus, have opted to pay for Apple TV Plus, but not for MLS season pass." Currently, Apple TV uh, Plus is the only streaming service for which I pay, and I only use Apple TV Plus to watch MLS and occasionally Ted Lasso, but I have not yet subscribed to MLS Season Pass. I have utilized free trials of other streaming services, but only have ever become a paid subscriber of Apple TV Plus uh, as I love watching MLS and I'm satisfied with the free broadcast availability of other soccer content that are received from ABC, CBS, Fox, NBC, and Telemundo and Univision." Yeah, so there's definitely, I mean, the confusing part about this is every week some of the games are available through for free on Apple TV, on the app, and also for Apple TV Plus subscribers. And we never know which games they're going to be. So if you're an Apple TV Plus subscriber and you go into the MLS uh, section, kind of the MLS season pass section on that app, you might see a couple of games that you can watch. And if you click on it, sometimes it'll say how to watch. And it'll tell you, okay, you have to subscribe to it. But for sure, I'm sure there's, there's a lot of people out there, Andy, who are in the same boat as you who get Apple TV Plus but have not made not added on MLS season pass to it. Um, if you're already in that ecosystem with Apple TV plus, and you're used to watching a lot of the great movies and, and shows on Apple TV plus, um, I mean, it's so much easier to add on the MLS season pass there than it is for somebody that's never used it before and has to figure out all the differences because it is confusing. And we've gone through endless detail on this podcast and on the websites and on social media and answering questions in the comments section at worldsoccertalk.com. Endless, endless, endless. It, it is confusing, but but you're like 95% of the way there. That last 5% is subscribing to MLS Season Pass. And if you like what you've seen, go ahead and do it. I mean, you can do it on a monthly basis. You don't have to subscribe for the whole season. Um, so it's up to you. Last but not least, Martin says, uh, do you know of any plans for ESPN Plus to increase the amount of Bundesliga 2 games they will air, usually one game on Friday, one game on Saturday, or one game on Sunday this year. Uh, It's frustrating when a network or app platform has the rights to games but does not air the majority of them. Even with zero commentary, uh, that would be preferable to none at all. And the answer to this question is uh, it's the same as before. so it looks like to, it looks like it's basically one to two games a weekend, you probably more of an average of two games a weekend. ESPN Plus's policy is that they're not going to put out content with no commentary. They want to have, you mean, know, if someone tuning in, they want to at least have a commentator calling the game in, in English. They're not just going to show it, and put it out there. However, that means less games are available to to viewers because there isn't a huge demand. Yes, watching the, the Bundesliga 2 is exciting. There's some really good teams in that uh, league, and the crowds are fantastic. It's a fun watch. But the, there's so many other leagues available that there isn't such a huge demand for that league. And if there was a huge demand, then I'm sure ESPN Plus would say, hey, you know what? Let's bring on some, uh, let's hire some commentators to to do these games for us in English that know this league that can talk about it, like, like an Ian Joy or somebody that knows the, the German League really well. However, I just don't think at this time they're ready for that. So, Martin, to you and others, I mean, if if you want to hear or want to see more games from the Bundesliga 2, I would just contact ESPN Plus and say, hey, I mean, um, there's enough demand. You and your friends get together, contact them, email them, call them, uh, go through the customer support, tell them that you, you want it and see what happens from there. Karthik, we haven't talked about the Premier League. The Premier League starts this weekend. Um, What for you is the one story that you're most interested in watching? And I know know you're gonna be knee deep in watching Women's World Cup uh, for the next 10 days, but is is there one thing from this Premier League season that you wanna see or, or you're looking forward to seeing that is gonna bring you some joy or some interest?
1: It just changed this morning. So, when Dia's injury, uh, Villa was the team I was going to watch uh, that I was most interested in kind of tracking this season in terms of their progression. So, uh, what's the story now? Uh, Harry Kane potentially not being in the league, the biggest star in the league in my opinion, biggest name in the league. Not being in the league. Uh, uh, Nkuku being injured, that kind of changes Chelsea. You talked about fitness issues and, and the fittest teams might do the best. Pochettino teams are generally the fittest teams. But now Nkuku being injured, I think, derails their plans. And, uh, so I guess it's Luton Town. I guess that's what I'm interested in. I think they've had a sneaky, good transfer window. I think they could stay up. Um, uh, Unlike Sheffield United, who I think are, are almost certain to go back down, and then uh, uh, one or two other clubs that uh, are in trouble, Wolves, uh, etc. So I guess it, it's Lutontown, but uh, honestly, I am getting increasingly concerned about the workload of players. This Women's World Cup we've talked about, uh, every team, every big team has major injuries. I said, well, the U.S. had seven of them. England, I just wrote a story on them for Beyond the 90. They have five major injuries. Uh, This is the case now in club football, too. Um, My view of the Premier League in the last week has had to change because of the injuries to Nkuku and Buendia. And it seems like this is now becoming more and more common every year. I don't think we, we entered seasons, club seasons, with these many injury concerns. And, um... I know a lot of people on this podcast probably don't want to hear it, but I'm getting annoyed by all the friendlies in the summer because I think that's adding to the workload for these players. So, yeah, I guess it's Luton. It was going to be Villa. It was was Chelsea and Villa. Now it's going to be Luton.
2: Yeah, Luton Town. This is the first time in the Premier League and under manager Rob Edwards. This is going to be really fascinating to watch. It's going to be a wild ride, uh, especially seeing them play at home at Kenilworth Road. Uh, I think the smallest uh, stadium in the Premier League ever, as far as I as, as far as I know, but a real ramshackle stadium. Yes, they've done renovations over the summer, but uh, that's the, uh, that's the thing I'm fascinated by is to see if they get some home home field advantage, playing in front in, with that crowd right on top of the players, if that does make a difference, if it, it does intimidate Liverpool or the Arsenal's or the Chelseas of the world. Uh, that will be fascinating to see. And, and, and to me, too, that's my my story of, of the season to keep an eye out for. I think a year ago, you and I, Kartik, were lamenting, and, and just, I mean, uh, favorably about Nottingham Forest and you know, what a story this is going to be in the fan base. I think Luton Town, for many reasons, too, similar reasons, that fan base is going to be really, really fun to watch. Uh, last, but before we wrap up here too I'm just really interested in the, uh, the, the transfers coming in for this summer yes uh, Buendia being injured for, um, for Aston Villa is, is, is huge, that's a huge hit but Pau Torres uh, oh, yeah. Musa Diaby two players that uh, Aston Villa have signed thanks to Monchi uh, I, think, I think they can get the European qualification, here we go
1: yeah, I, I uh, the Pau Tower signing is a signing that I think any big club in the world could have made and probably should have made any bigger club, uh, supposedly bigger club. Uh, I'm shocked that he ended up at Villa. That's Munchie's brilliance. And uh, yeah, Diaby, a player I loved in the Bundesliga. That's why, I, I, my mind, Villa were going to be a top four contender until this injury to Buendia. Uh, let's see what they, they come up with, maybe a formation change. Maybe this is uh, also uh, an opportunity for uh, for an, another player in their midfield uh, to step up because they do have a lot of players in midfield. But yeah, um, a Munchie's a topic I think we're going to be talking about all season, Chris. Yeah, That's a good shout because uh, uh, never mind what happened at Roma, I think Serial's a different animal. What he built at Sevilla on two different occasions, two different stints at Sevilla, uh, I think is... Uh, probably the best building job uh, uh, long term of any club in Europe that had limited resources. Uh, It's just amazing. And now he's taken it to a club with more uh, with more resources in Villa. And the first summer has struck gold, I think, in the two occasions you mentioned. Uh, And as I said, I really believe this is why even on my fantasy draft the other day, uh, we're we're, we're sitting there. No one's taking defenders in the first couple of rounds. And I, I, I reached and I got Pau Torres in the third round because I thought, you know what? If there's going to be any central defender in, in uh, this league that stands out this year, it's this guy. And he's actually at Villa. He's not at Chelsea or City or Arsenal. So, yeah, I, I, I'm really high on, on Monchi and Villa.
2: We also have one more voicemail, which I'll play at the end of this uh, podcast. We didn't get have time to fit it into the listener mailbag se- segment, but that is from Raymond. And uh, Kartik. for any listeners out there who do want to tune in uh, and, and share their feedback with us, uh, for us to read out those listener mailbag comments, get in touch with us. We'd love to read those out uh, through the website, which is worldsoccertalk.com. Click on podcast and leave your comments in the latest uh, thread there. Uh, We also have uh, email. You can email us at web at worldsoccertalk.com, facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk. You can send us a message there. YouTube.com slash worldsoccertalk. You can post your comments on on the videos there. And then last but not least, um, Twitter at, well, actually, x at worldsoccertalk.com. It still, it still doesn't roll off the tongue. And, and Karthik, uh what's going on at Beyond the 90, and, and uh, where can listeners find you?
1: Yeah, Beyond the 90, and it, we're just reacting to our readers and what people wanted. Uh, it, heavy w- Women's World Cup coverage. We're covering a little bit of Europe, a little bit of lower division soccer in the U.S. at the same time. But really, uh, until Women's World Cup is over, uh, it's Women's World Cup talk over at Beyond the 90. And, of course, you can find me on uh, on X. <laughs> I almost said Twitter, even though we just went through that, Chris, uh, at KKFLA 737. And, uh, Uh, definitely uh, have some thoughts about the upcoming premier league season. And maybe uh, I'll jump into this debate on about Neymar on X that you said is raging. So on social media, uh, I haven't uh, really weighed in on that yet, but maybe, uh, maybe I'll get involved in that as well. So a KKFLA 737 on, on uh, what was formerly known as Twitter and uh, beyond the 90.substack.com. I just want to say you guys have the greatest show ever and I hope all of the American soccer people listen to your show um because it is the best and you don't discriminate or nothing like them saying you tell it like it is hands down I love you guys and uh, I'm glad there was a show like this so an American audience get educated instead of the propaganda that a lot of the um, traditional sports television presents soccer and uh, thank you for listening to me bye